Uh, thank you very much for joining us here. Excellent discussion there on Flightbridge and its integration with X1 FBO. Tell us a bit more about how that works for FBOs. It seems here that rather a lot of people in the room are already using the combination. Right. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, thank you. Thank, uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, Flightbridge is the only tailored solution for the private aviation industry to book hotels, rental cars, catering and ground transportation. Um, it also, uh, the goal of Flightbridge is really to help you improve your customer service and make you more efficient. So you can make all these bookings that we were talking about, like your hotel bookings, your rental car bookings for delivery to your FBO, um, catering, ground transportation, and also uh, communicate with your customers. So all of this is integrated. The FlightBridge capabilities are integrated directly into the X1 requests. So you get the ability to book all these services without having to leave the X1 platform. So once you have the, uh, the FlightBridge services turned on, you'll see the buttons that will allow you to do the bookings directly into X1. Additionally, um, a lot of FBOs right now get these notifications uh, Flightbridge notifications from their pilots and their their crew um, and dispatchers. So they will send the notification through Flightbridge, um, and then we can directly import that into X1. So it will show up as an incoming request in X1, um, and then it makes it so you don't have to re-enter the information, which is what people were doing before. So it just saves so much time being able to do these things electronically that people used to do kind of old-fashioned methods, you know, either via phone calls or emails or things like that. And with Flightbridge, we can bring any FBO the ability to electronically communicate with their, their vendors and their customers. So, Fantastic. Well, as an ex-line man, I can tell you that this integration between X1 and Flightbridge seems like a miracle to me. I only wish we had it back in today. Yeah, right. Brad, thank you very much for giving us a couple more minutes of your time. Thank you, I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, gentlemen, that was a good discussion. Good panel. Lots to learn, lots to take home. Hopefully everybody else found the same thing. Insurance. There's a lot of eye-openers there. Craig. Yeah, I mean, in insurance, you know, we want to create the value add to support general aviation, right? So we want people to understand what goes into their policy, how it's underwritten, um, and, and change the way it's underwritten. It doesn't need to stay the way it's always been by, by pen and paper, right? So if we can get that buy-in from the community, work together with NADA, MBAA, and other, you know, investment routes, then we can pass that savings along to everyone you know, and really create that competition for our businesses that we want to see, right? People participating in our organizations and fighting for your business on the insurance side too, which will increase profitability for everyone and sustainability, right? So. And Jason, you opened the box on safety culture, taking it from the top. Yeah, the safety culture has to start at the very top of the organization uh, and whatever that highest role is, whether, you know, we call it an accountable executive, whether it's an owner or a CEO and, you know, whoever it is who has the, the highest level of responsibility in the organization, the safety culture has to start at that level and it has to be clearly communicated early and often down to the lowest ranks from the, from the first day that they arrive, whether they are reading a written policy signed by that accountable executive or a face-to-face -face meeting. 
communicating to them that this is important to me and you are important to me and your input is important to me. And then living that you know, throughout their employment, understanding that they have a non-punitive reporting culture where even if you make a mistake, as long as you report it properly, you have nothing to worry about. And that's a real paradigm shift um, that has to be our way forward in order to make things safer. And that's not the way that that's that's not the way that many of us came up in the industry, and that's the, and unfortunately, it's still true at a lot of places around. And that ju it just has to change if we want to have a, a safer organization, a safer operation. You just have to know from the very beginning that your input is vital, and we understand people are going to make mistakes. You just have to report it properly. You can't you can't try to cover it up. Excellent, Sean. You had a lot to say on safety cultures and experiences. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Jason certainly summed up kind of one of the key points of safety culture, but I think one of the big things that I, that I think about outside of, you know, this whole topic, it, to me, it's culture, it's technology and how we get the data, how do we, how do we, uh, what other technologies and tools can be in place to help us implement a, a better safety culture. And then to me, one of the biggest things is we've got to professionalize our industry. And I think that's, it really comes down to how we treat our employees, how we view our employees, uh, you know, and, and, and really change the way that we look at, at both CSRs and LSTs and, and, and that whole kind of component of our business, our frontline employees, those that are touching the airplanes and touching the customer every day. It's a professional industry. It is not a transitory job. It is not a, a job that we should look at as, as disposable in any way. It's one that we've got to look at as something that we are building people up in a career. And, and it takes a lot of tools to do that, from a training to, to how we view the job just internally to, frankly, how we pay and how we compensate for that job has got to be different than a, you know, a fast food worker at the end of the day. And, and we've really got to change that culture because that really impacts everything else about how we do our jobs and how we can implement these things. Because at the end of the day, if a person's there for six months or a year, it's hard for them to become proficient. Yeah, I mean, they can get trained, but proficiency is a whole different thing than training. And so how do we get people that are proficient in this industry and that have the knowledge that can pass that knowledge down to the next generation to the next generation? And it's real hard to do that in short nuggets. We've got to get people that are in the industry for a long time, want to be a part of the industry and, and, and do their jobs and do their jobs well and want to do it with excellence. So... In short, I think train people, take care of them, mentor them, build the experience, keep the experience, and you'll have a much more efficient, safer operation. Doug Kennedy, thanks for joining us today. Um, it's our first user conference for X1FBO. What are your thoughts so far? You want to speak first? Oh, or? absolutely. No, I'd be happy to. Okay. Well, yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, to get here and, and be here all day long yesterday, and so I've seen it so far. Um, I'm super excited. I'm super excited not only for X1, but for the industry uh, as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's really exciting to see a private sector company put together sort of what I would call an agnostic FBO conference, mm -hmm. right, where you have different FBOs who maybe, maybe tomorrow they'll be back on the airport, you know, fighting it out, right? Sure. But today they're learning from each other and network together, and I'm really, really excited to see it. I think it's just been great so far. The content's awesome. been amazing. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I think it's it's really good to talk about some of the shared issues that FBOs are having right now, um, and this bringing them together in kind of a really focused event has been great. Talking through you know retention challenges, talking through kind of the challenges they have with airports and fueling. So I think it's a great networking opportunity for them, and, and been a really insightful educational experience for them too. Good, good. So. What's a primary theme or message that you would le like to leave for our audience today? 
I think a little biased, but around sustainability, we've been talking, uh, you know, around the opportunities for an FBO, why it matters to an FBO. And there are kind of ways to start early, you know, start with baby steps today. And, and we talk about looking at the accreditations, looking at the certification opportunities, looking at just building a carbon footprint, you know, mm -hmm. understand where your emissions come from and understand how to build a strategy from there. I think there's, there's easy things that FBO can do that really do go a long way today. Sure, sure. You know, I, I echo Kennedy's words there in terms of sustainability. Obviously, you know, we, we were speaking on that, so certainly a little bias on our side as well. But um, in, in seeing how sustainability and the ESG construct is, is more informed at airports, that, that private equity companies are more interested in seeing their in investment companies, their, their verticals, such as an FBO, be part of ESG. Um, and I think the one thing I would leave as a takeaway, which we, we failed to mention, that's on me, is that uh, NATA has a sustainability standard that any FBO can go to NATA's website right now and actually sign up for that and mm -hmm. sort of take a self-audit and meet that sort of first stage of a sustainability, which is sort of a, an early step that they can do themselves. Sure, yeah. sure, good. So I'm, I'm going to get a little granular with this question around sustainability because sustainability is a topic that's relevant, I think, across many sectors, right? Almost every sector. But as you preach the word of sustainability and SAF, uh, which is within sustainability, the ecosystem of sustainability, why do you think it's so important for uh, the aviation industry to come on board with the topic of sustainability? Um, I'm not sure if uh, everyone else in our industry uh, saw this or were sort of victimized by it, if you will, but literally in the last three to six months, environmental protesters showed up at FBOs across the country, particularly targeting large markets and protesting literally outside the doors in the parking lots of FBOs. Yeah. So it's right now in the public conscious, it's in the public space, and the optics associated with business aviation, again, just the optics, not the reality. Mm -hmm. The optics are not good. When yeah. they see a single person come off of a large aircraft, they may not be aware that aircraft is completely carbon offsetting and is operating on SAF fuel, yeah. right? So that is kind of where, where, where I look at it and I think r right now is the time to be a participant, not a bystander, yeah. right? And then generationally, for me personally, I have two daughters. Um, I offset my aircraft through 4Air um, and it's meaningful to me just on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Douglas hit on a really good point there of just the attention, the optics I think that the industry gets is really accelerating the importance of having programs around this. And the pressure we get comes from all sides now. So it's coming from your investor, your insurer, your airport uh, you know, authority, your customers, your employees. And so we're going to see more attention in the media and therefore more attention from governments you know, around kind of sustainability action being required. And so the more we can get ahead of it and really show you know what a meaningful program looks like the more we can kind of help shape that regulation help uh, actually make it you know impactful change forward yeah. well the next the next five to ten years will be interesting yeah. to see how this changes uh, the aviation industry but thank you for uh, coming today yeah and we appreciate your time thank you so much thank you Jeff Doughty, Total Control Systems. You have some of your equipment on display here uh, for all the people from the FBOs to have a look at, mainly relation to fuel. What do you think of the conference so far? Uh, the, uh, the X1 conference has been outstanding. It's uh, very well attended. It's a lot of great, meaningful conversations happening. A lot of great ideas being bounced around, uh, you know, around the, uh, the industry.
and uh, we're, we're just really excited to be a part of it. Um, you know, Total Control Systems has been a, a partner of X1 since since the early stages of X1's um, you know, development uh, all the way through now. So it's been great to see their their growth and uh, and their innovation that they've had in the market, and we're just happy to be a part of that. Excellent. Well, it's great to see so many people queuing up to see your equipment there, uh, and you're answering all their questions. So hopefully you'll be kept Absolutely. busy for the rest of the day uh, until the conference is over. Thank you very much, Jeff. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, Steve Tubbs here with X1 FBO. We're here at the first inaugural, inaugural, excuse me. We're here at the first inaugural X1 FBO, uh, X1 Approach FBO and User Conference. I'm sitting here with Jose Cabrera from Embassair. Um, and Jose wants, well, first off, thanks for coming. Thank Absolutely. you for being here. Appreciate you, ha appreciate having you. Um, any impressions on our inaugural conference? How do we do? I think uh, everybody did an amazing job. It's it's amazing to see the, the first and inaugural FBO uh, conference come to fruition and um, no hiccups, very eloquent, uh, very fruitful in many ways. So it's actually exciting that we finally get a very specific FBO dedicated kind of forum to share ideas. So it's, it's been great. Awesome. Absolutely. Any key takeaways that, um, that you filed away with regards to the industry at large or maybe specifically um, the software? I think uh, the, the main thing is it's always any type of conference and this one specifically, um, it's great to come and share uh, ideas with fellow other FBOs and um, I'm a faithful believer in, in like friendly competition, right? So whether we're on the same uh, field or not, uh, it's great to come to a forum where we can still see what other uh, collectives are doing in, in, in the field and compare ideas, share everything and, uh, and when you bring X1 into the factor, right? So we're all using the same platform and we're leveraging same thing using in different platforms and different ways mm -hmm. of how we're leveraging X1. And it's, it's always good to compare notes mm -hmm. and see what others are doing, what we're doing, and, and try to find the best practices to, to implement uh, in the in the upcoming road ahead for us specifically as yes, a new FBO right so um, coming from a brand uh, a, a large network of FBOs to to a, a sole FBO it, it's difficult because you're the one implementing all these tools and resources and and I think X1 has played a fantastic large role in allowing us to to get the data get the automation get the efficiency that, that we need and seek towards our, our, our meeting our goals and and uh, all that criteria and, and success for that matter so it's been great that's awesome awesome I appreciate that and we're certainly happy to be a part of it um, so you mentioned that you're brand new FBO Ambassador right you're yes just, we are just making a splash here now so talk to us a little bit about that yeah so so definitely a disruptor in the FBO business um, I think uh, We've, we've, we've talked to so many people today and, and everybody that has come and seen the FBO, you know, we've all seen multiple FBOs and I have never seen an FBO like this and anybody that walks through the door can kind of uh, state to the same thing. Um, we're definitely different, seeking to, to bridge a lot of gaps that haven't really been bridged before, um, catering to a very more specific clientele and mm -hmm. uh, customer and crew member needs all together. Mm -hmm. uh, very luxurious uh, and exclusive uh, areas. I mean, we have a patented design for privacy, security, and confidentiality. So 
very different. It's exciting. Um, challenges like any, anywhere else, but it has a, a lot of value to provide to, to customers around the, the, the Miami area. So Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, private, secure, and, and definitely a beautiful building for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what's the next six to 18 months look like for you guys? What are you looking forward to? Oh, man, so much, so much going on. Uh, we're just uh, met our, our two-month goal or just start over that. So we just started, uh, we just met our, our two-month uh, bridge of uh, being open. So our, our next few months, is we're, we're trying to get to normal operations, right? <laughs> what a concept. Uh, we definitely had very good scalable uh, growth. So it's looking very positive. We've made a lot of new partnerships that are going very well. Um, everybody that comes to the facility, uh, they, they leave with a smile and definitely come back. So that's looking well. I think our, our next big project is going to be opening a customs facility. So a customs facility will be opening uh, mid to late summer of this year. Gotcha. I think that's a, that's a sweet spot that we're, we're, we will have coming up soon. Everybody's very excited about it. Um, later on, it's just getting the FBO ready for uh, further normal operations, getting to our routine steps and uh, getting ready for the upcoming season and, and just being a, a, another big player on the field and uh, available for the markets. and. From that on, uh, we will be looking and are actively looking at uh, opening our second and third location. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your successes to date. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Good you. Good luck into the future, and thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. All right, man. Thanks. Khan from X1FBO, you're the fuel guru. Thank you, Joe. I've never been called that before, but I'll take it. Um, it's a compliment. It is a very, it's a very good compliment because fuel really does drive the industry. Um, I've worked for various FBO chains in the past, and the commodity that everyone kind of measures up, measures their performance by is fuel sales. At least in America, I know that there's a little bit of a different uh, model over in Europe, um, but fuel is you know the driving factor in all FBOs here in North America. Yeah, Europe we work off. Handling fees, more Three than days. fuel, but it is changing to be an amalgamation of both. We're here in the USA and Canada, fuel is king, and you work a lot with metrics. X1 FBO is, frankly, full of metrics. How do we get them out? How does the customer use them? That's, that's a very good question, and um, it kind of reminds me of a phrase um, that someone told me one time is that, the FBO industry is the, the only industry that takes the same commodity or product and can price it differently. The only other industry is really the mattress industry. You're buying the exact same product, but why are two different places selling it to you for two different prices? Um, and obviously, it boils down to a lot of things, some of it being real estate, where you're located, what amenities you're offering. Um, in a related comment, X1 is a platform um, the advantages of X1 is that you have access to your data. It's a SaaS application, but you, you have the ability to extract all the data points that allow you to make informed decisions. Um, I know that a lot of FBOs kind of live and die by judging how they perform the prior year versus and, and also how they perform versus budget. But in the end, those are just numbers. It's very hard to kind of make meaningful business decisions based on the fact that you made X last year and Y this year without actually getting down to the layers of what drove those variances. X1 gives you that ability not only to the customer level, but it gives it to the, the payment type, um, you know, the fuel release. All those data points are 
available not only through you know canned reports through the X1 platform, um, but what Jim and I just demonstrated up at the front stage was that uh, you don't need to be a financial analyst. You don't need to have a corporate headquarters that runs all your finances in order to extract that information from a system that you might be using as a point of sale system. So that's another one of the advantages. Um, you know, through this Power BI interface, Jim was able to, to create, you know, dashboards, um, graphs, and reports probably within 30 minutes. And um, I would say that he is not a Power BI expert. He's very proficient in it, but he doesn't need to be. Yeah, I noticed that it's all about accuracy and it's about real time as well. That's a, that's a great point, Joe. Um, I think a couple of the indicators of what you really need is you need timely and accurate data. It really doesn't, it's not helpful to get accurate data if it's, you know, stale or months old. Um, so it's, it really is a combination of being able to harvest that information in a timely manner. The next one, FBO does that in spades. It does. Um, it's intuitive and it, it gives the users the ability to see what's happening both in the ramp and in their, um, you know, on their point of sales pretty much in real time. And it's one of the, it's probably the only software application that does that in such, you know, real time uh, measures. And you feel that users understand how to use that part of the system and are employing it? That, I mean, that's a really, really great question. I've been in this particular um, market for, I think, 15 plus years. And I can remember when I started, um, and I've worked both you know, at the corporate level and actually added FBO myself, uh, myself, and just the demographics have changed. Um, back 15 years ago, I could tell you that the median age of those folks that worked at, both at the FBOs um, is probably 20 years uh, older than it is now. I see a lot of young faces. So to your question, um, you know, everyone is a little bit more adaptable to changes. So I think you don't have to be, you don't have to know everything to be able to leverage this tool to get what you want. It's talking, talking to a lot of your clients here, and understanding the language to speak, it seems to me that all too easily somebody could bring in X1 FBO and really love what it does communication-wise on the ramp, connecting all the various departments together and actually overlook that deep down there are some tremendous metrics in there that can help them ups ups upsell right across the board. And... Um, a lot of people seem to be talking to you guys, finding out more, how best to utilize all of that. Yes, um, I think that it's very easy to sell this product as um, you know, a front of the house product, just because those are the folks that are the first, line, the first line of customer engagement. The line service technicians are the first people um, that who are seen when, when the passengers and the pilots get off the ramp, and then the customer service representatives are the are the first person that the pilots communicate with. They they usually get the brunt of any um, you know issues or any complaints that they may have. So this tool has almost eliminated that by just trying to keep as many people in the FBO connected as possible. But there are you know there are other levers that X1 FBO um, has that that gives you a lot more power on the accounting side. Yeah, I'm seeing here and hearing that having a user conference 
is really, really useful to your clients because people are interacting. I'm seeing FBO talk to FBO. I'm seeing them go to you guys and have a discussion. And you're sitting back and saying, that's a good idea. Maybe we haven't looked at that. Maybe we can put that in. Let's talk more about that. So it's a continual development process that the customer is probably not really aware of that there's more coming down the line, there's more in the system than meets the eye initially. And also getting the impression that when FBOs bring in X1 FBO and it's implemented and it's up and running, that they really ought to talk to you guys again and say, yeah, we're used to this now, this is working absolutely fantastic. We've replaced our old systems, this is brilliant. Everything is much more efficient, we're missing less. What else does it do? because there's so many packages in there, uh, as, as you've been describing, and uh, Jim was describing there earlier on, that um, talking to you guys on a regular basis uh, pays dividends. It sure does. I mean, essentially, this, uh, this, the SaaS model is an a la carte. You don't have to subscribe to every single um, offering in the, in the X1 suite, but it does cater to you know smaller FBOs to those larger chains, so you do have that ability to cherry pick what you want and what will work, you know, for you. And there are, you know, as you can see, there's there's been programmers that have been pulled onto the stage, Umberto on the technology side. Everyone pretty much has their hands on you know development, troubleshooting, um, any issues that the customers will want. So everyone is very intimately aware of the customer needs. Totally, they're all hands on. They're all available they're all keen to talk to people but they're listening as well exactly and when the conference is over and everyone goes home or their fbo where they're probably working good to 12 hours a day uh, they can still just call up support just, just hitting that icon on the bottom right hand side of the screen and get support 24 hours a day they sure can. And that's one of the advantages of having a user conference versus, you know, trying to convene um, in a large like MBAA setting. It's a lot more intimate. Um, you know, you've got a, a better captive audience and they actually want to share their, their best practices. Yeah, it's focused. Khan, you've been extremely helpful. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes out to talk to us. Thanks so much, sir. And we'll see you later on. Caroline, Kyle, that was an interesting discussion. Opened a lot of conversation up on fuel pricing. Uh, what was your main point, really, to enable, empower CSRs to sell fuel, offer discounts, but not give the whole game away? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a it's a really like fine line, right? Because you have as a FBO, you have your fuel supplier, you got your negotiations with your contract fuel, and so. Um, you know, you don't want to disappoint anyone. Like, why didn't you offer your fuel branded contract fuel? Why did you give them a retail uh, discount? Are you giving everybody retail? You know, is any are you guys offering anyone? You know, so you you, you definitely have that fine line to cross. Um, but I think that if you can have transparency in terms of what you're trying to accomplish with your negotiated partners, so like to Kyle's point, um, you know. If your contract fuel company knows the margin you're trying to make on the retail side too, and maybe they weren't able to offer you a one-off or whatever the case is, maybe they don't have a 24-hour support where you could just call them, um, then it, it's transparent. They know that you had to give the discount and you don't have to feel bad about it. And so I think that's what's important about you know what Kyle's doing in terms of like 
getting getting aligned and having um, you know having margins that align themselves with both all types of payments because this industry is so um, inundated with different types of payment options that if it's all aligned more or less to get you more or less the same outcome then you can be transparent and there's no hidden agendas of uh, this guy's getting more than me this guy's getting more than me and and you know as a CSR you're kind of stuck in the middle of that that weird you know uh, those weird negotiations so yeah that's that's basically uh, what we talked about. <laughs> And Kyle, you're also looking at hangers and maximizing revenue there through metrics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that it all, you know, ties together. Like with fuel pricing strategies, for example, uh, we want to make sure that it's a little bit more dynamic. And the same thing happens with, um, you know, overnight fees and hangar rates, whether it be for base tenants or for transient customers, just making sure that you can maximize your margins. And, you know, one of the things that we find that a lot of FBOs do is a... Um, try to keep their pricing strategies very simple, you know, small, medium, large, and there's just better ways to collect revenue to, to do other things, you know, like reinvest, like what we were talking about earlier with safety initiatives, you know, and uh, making sure that you pay your, pay your employees. So there's just smarter ways to, uh, to enhance pricing, and that's, that's really what we're trying to focus on. And that brings us back to one of the X1 um, points, the smarter way to run your FBO. It's about taking different initiatives to empower people, to increase revenue, not to give everything away, as you said. That's about it. Kyle, Airside FBO, you do a lot of work with data. Data is king of the FBO world. You're using X1 FBO to a certain extent. Tell us more about that, please. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think the data provides just tremendous insight into your business, and it makes you know locations smarter. They're able to become uh, you know more profitable, but you have to do some of that discovery work first. And once you get you know just a couple of key pieces of information, like you know either your fuel sales or you know your, your margins, once you can wrap your your arms around that. Uh, you know, we're able to do some really neat things uh, at FBOs, make them more profitable, and then you know, in turn, you obviously have to do some other things as well, like focus on service enhancements. But uh, I, I just really appreciate the value of data and what that can bring to to the locations we work with. Yeah, I was watching your presentation there, and it was wonderful how you actually explained data versus hangar space how to get the best out of it, but also fuel. And I certainly identified with your comment on, has anyone ever missed the GPU billing? Uh, yeah, I have, and I've seen a lot of that. So data is king. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as far as the hangar and the fuel, you know, I think that everybody has a pretty good handle on uh, you know what square foot rates are, but you know we try to take it a step further and incorporate what the um, you know the, the fuel sales looks like, and create a couple of metrics that can help you very quickly uh, identify who your most valuable customers are, and if there's any opportunity to you know potentially in, uh, increase or adjust uh, you know fuel rates or you know hangar rates and so forth. And then yeah, your question about the GPU. <laughs> Uh, I know that that happens at, at most locations, you know, and, and again, it's not malicious, but, it, you know, if you're able to keep a, you know, a keen eye on what's occurring at your location, you know, you can make sure that those misses are, you know, few and far between. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And a GPU that's given out to an aircraft for four or five hours, particularly if it's gone tech, that's a lot of money missed. Kyle, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Neil, welcome to the X1 Approach FBO conference. Thank you, I just enjoyed listening to what you said on recruiting. You come from Jet Aviation. Uh, you have a huge amount of experience in this field, looking at what's happening in Europe, and now I realize what's happening in the USA and Canada with recruiting, uh, especially since COVID, you really are required. We are, Joe, and uh, thanks. Uh, I'd like to say thanks for, to everyone for having us today. Great show. Um, it's it's tricky out there, Joe. Um, basically, especially after COVID, um, people are really wanting positions for you know for the for the long term. It's not just all about the the pay these days. So it's it's all about um, you know the schedule, the company culture as well, and also um, going out to find the individuals. So we're we're kept busy, but uh, you have to be very proactive these days and really and really sell the culture, the brand, and what it's like to work in an, in an organisation day by day because um, people want to be happy and I think that's more of the case these days than before um, people realize post COVID that you know life is very precious um, also they want to spend time with the family more and so things like they're looking at schedules and values of companies etc so yeah it's it's uh, it's it's changed changed a lot recently yeah and you've been given some very very uh, good hints on how to deal with getting new people in from visiting schools and uh, frankly the local McDonald's and getting young people attracting them into the business and letting them start a career from the ground up so it's not always about bringing in people who are already in the industry or skilled there's many facets to it that's a great point Joe um, so what what we've we advise customers and what we do as an organization ourselves is is introduce GA and the FBO world to new audience. So by that is is going out to uh, outreach into communities, etc. Um, and introducing the world to them because what we found is once we've done that and we've talked to individuals at, at schools or even local restaurants, etc., they didn't know that this world existed. And once introduced to it, they become very passionate about it. They feel very proud to be part of the organization. Uh, they're the top performers a lot of the time. The longevity is there because they you know, appreciate the opportunities, etc. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think that key now for organizations is to introduce these job opportunities to new audiences as you say and it, it can work out very well fully in agreement I've always been a strong advocate of mentoring people mm. you bring, the, bring them into the industry and if they're, particularly if they're young mentor them pay attention to what they're doing show them the ladder through the industry and with any luck you'll get them to love the smell of Avgas and Jet A the same as us and they yeah. stay in the industry and be happy but you have to keep your eye on the ball and look after them couldn't agree more um, I would say all these, especially, you know, potentially those new to the industry, if you spend the time with them, as you said, mentor them, take the time to, you know, to educate them, uh, talk to them about, you know, their future and communicate regularly with them, they will be, 
they will be employees for a long, long time. I can guarantee you that. If we're all human beings, and if we feel a, a, a part of something um, and a part of a team that appreciates us, a part of an organisation that we enjoy working for, um, we will stay at that organisation. It's all about waking up in the morning and feel feeling valued, which is good. Yeah, and feeling like you're going to have a good day ahead, even yeah. if it's a tough day. Sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> Plan A that seldom works out. Yeah. But I've always felt that particularly with younger people, if you pay attention to training, give them quality training, make them feel part of the team, make them feel valued, let them know there's somewhere to go, they'll stick with you. And they'll take it as a profession. And give them the professional feel to what they have to do on a day-to-day basis. I couldn't agree more. And that goes for ongoing training. I think that's a, a, an important point. So you have training at the outset, which, of course, they, they need. Um, you know, obviously the towing or customer service, et cetera, whether it be software. Uh, but what is also very, very important is, is ongoing updates is to, you know, um, training, uh, on-the-job training as well. So how can we improve operations? How can we keep them improving as, as individuals and as a team and as an organization? So I think that it's important to, you know, do the onboarding side of things, if you like, you know, the first, say, two, three months. Uh, but also, I always advise people to, to check in every three months after that, um, update them on how they're performing, but also uh, the ongoing training as well, which is, is very, very key. Excellent, Lena. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Oh, you too. Thank you and, very much. Uh, hopefully, we we'll see you again next year. I look forward to it. And take care in the meantime. Yeah, will do. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was a great conversation uh, you had with the audience there. Much appreciated. A couple of things I took from that that I hadn't known before. Go Rentals is aviation only. Yes, thank you. That's correct. Uh, We've been in the business over 26 years. And only private aviation, we don't rent to the public. That's a big bonus. It is. So for FBOs, one of the challenges is... Uh, 24-7 to have rental cars delivered, dropped off uh, from our friends at the legacy companies. And their focus is more on the commercial industry. Our sole commitment is private aviation. Our vehicles are already there on site for the last minute walk-ups, overnight books, uh, vehicle changes, vehicle upgrades. Uh, Whatever the FBO needs, we want to be there as an extension of them and provide that service to their crews and passengers. Yeah, so it's a service that is complete, encompasses everything an FBO wants. But first and foremost, it's reliable. Absolutely. So we have two guarantees. We guarantee make and model. Um, If a guest has requested a large SUV, we guarantee it will be a large SUV. No surprises. Uh, We also guarantee that the vehicle will be there when the aircraft arrives or it's free. Uh, We don't want to give vehicles away. uh, And so we're very diligent with that guarantee. And at this point, how many FBOs do you cover? We are um, approaching 200. That's quite a few, but still room for growth. Absolutely. Uh, We're always looking at new opportunities. Uh, The FBOs that we are currently partnered with are the very best reference um, for us. I can say all day long how amazing Go Rentals is. We always recommend that you go to these partners that we have across the country. They've experienced Go Rentals. They use us every day. They understand the reliability, the consistent service that we bring to their FBO, uh, and the difference that it makes. It allows their team to focus on the business of the FBO and allows... Uh, our team to focus on the, the vehicles and making sure that their cruising passengers have vehicles. And Go Rentals really seems to be the next extension of the FBO. It's the next step for the client to experience. Yes, absolutely. So an FBO does everything that they can in their power uh, to, to provide a seamless experience, to elevate the customer experience as they come in, to develop loyalty, 
two things that FBOs don't have control over typically are the rental cars and the catering. And it's still, at the end of the day, if those two things fail, it's the FBO's fault, uh, even if they had nothing to do with it. So we are on site, and we allow um, the FBO to close that gap. And so now the full control of everything that happens, allowed wheels up, wheels down, the seamless service, they roll the red carpet, and our team is there with the vehicles. Well, all of us in the FBO business have experienced the car not turning up. Oh, what a nightmare that is. So best to look with the operation. It sounds like a lot more FBOs will probably sign up. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank very you much. so much. Thank you.